my name is Ray Montgomery. Like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, I have our employment service team with us today. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Right. Thanks for having us, Ray. Yes, yes. You guys are my you guys are my team right there. <laughs> like having you guys on. Uh, but I wanted to really bring you guys on because um, October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and um, you guys are on the front line. So I really just wanted to get your guys' perspective about employment and actually working with, you know, clients who have recently lost their sight, helping them to, you know, rebuild their confidence, help them, you know, just get reacclimated to, you know, working and really learn about what you guys are seeing while you guys are out there on the front line working with employers and, you know, just being the ones to really, you know, advocate for, you know, our, your employees that you're trying to get hired. So um, before I get started here, um, Chris, I want to start with you. Could you go around and you guys introduce yourselves? Sure, absolutely. I'm Christy Russell, and I am the fortunate one to get to lead this awesome team. So I am the manager of employment services. That includes our adult employment service program, which is what a lot of these guys are going to talk about today. But that also includes our youth employment services program. Um, and we have Aaron C. on board today as well, because that's where we're really helping our youth as early as 14 who are blind or low vision uh, start beginning to think about work and life after high school. So we really like to talk about all things employment um, with our youth growing up, as well as our adults who are trying to return to work. Hello. My name is Aaron C. And like Chrissy said, I am the youth employment specialist. And my job is to bridge the gap of not knowing what you're going to do after high school with uh, some communication and some examples and some activities. We work with the youth uh, with students in high school, really. Hello, I'm Matt Edwards, and I'm an employment specialist here at Bosma. I've been here seven years and uh, do a little bit of uh, everything we are involved with, Ticket to Work program, our VR clients, uh, benefits consulting, and a little bit of uh, work with our youth. So uh, enjoy what I do. Hope you can learn something new today. Hi, I'm Natalie Westmuck. I am an employment specialist here. I've been here for uh, almost five years. Uh, I work with our adults and uh, a little bit of the benefits counseling as well. Um, work with our um, with our companies and just getting them connected and some education as well as to what it takes to hire somebody who is blind or visually impaired. Um, so just really enjoy connecting. Um, companies and, and current clients together and seeing how we can make ad magic happen. All right, well, let's get started. I want to thank you once again. Let's get started. I'm going to throw this first question, question out to you, Chrissy. Okay. Why is the unemployment rate for people who are blind 70% or higher? Well, I think if you're asking us our opinion, right, yes. right, um, yes. I would say our opinion is that there's really just continues to be a lack of understanding and education on businesses, whether that's at the hiring level, the HR level, recruiters, you know, we know a lot of companies are going to a recruiting model where they might have recruiters that try to go out and find valid candidates for their positions. And what we know is just there, if, if you've never been around somebody who's blind or low vision, you really don't understand all the different types of technology that exist or accommodations. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of put their hands up and they're not real sure what to do with someone who presents that way. Um, and so we, we have seen 
pretty consistently um, as we develop different business partnerships that most people just don't know what they don't know. And that can be very overwhelming, especially when you're in an interview and you're just not sure why somebody's wearing a hat or wearing sunglasses. You know, they just don't know what what exists, right? And so I think that's a big part of what we've really been focusing on over the last year, really year and a half with COVID happening, um, is strengthening our business partnerships and trying to help our businesses understand um, that they don't have to know it all. They don't have to know about every single piece of assistive technology. They don't have to know all the details of how to help someone who's blind or low vision. They just need to know that there are people that can help them with those questions. And really all they need to focus on is hiring the right person with the experience, the skill level that they're looking for, for their open position. I don't know if the team has anything else they think to add to that, but that's what I would say is I just think there's a continued lack of education and understanding at a business level, hiring level specifically um, on how someone who's blind or low vision could do the job. So uh, how does uh, our employment services department actually prepare an individual to get back into the workforce? And I'm going to throw this to you, Natalie. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> we really spend a lot of time with our clients and getting to know them first and foremost. What are their skill sets? What do they really love to do? Uh, what do they not like to do? You know, we say a lot that the understanding what they don't like to do or not strong and is just as important as their strengths and their loves. Um, but we make sure that they're prepared, uh, making sure that they understand um, workplace policies and workplace behaviors and those social norms um, and really have that understanding of what it means to go into work, right? You know, that you still have to go in on time and clock in and clock out on time um, and, and how you build those relationships with your coworkers. Um, and so once we've really dug in with them and have that understanding as to what it is that they want to do and where they're strongest at, then we go out and talk to companies and say, hey, let's look at these positions that you have and how, how do they really fit in there? Um, these are the accommodations that we have found. We know that they're going to need for specific types of jobs. Um, let us help you work through that. Um, and so really just spending good quality time, right, with our clients lets us know that they're really prepared to join that workforce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know one question you might get a lot of, of what's, what are what are blind jobs? I know that that question <laughs> probably comes up a lot for people, you know, who've just recently lost their sight because they don't know, you know, what is out there. So how do you kind of, um, I guess, help guide that individual to a, maybe a new career path? Maybe they can't go back to their uh, old, you know, career? How do you help them discover a new career? So, you know, I, I, again, I'm going to go back to, I think it's just digging and asking those questions. Um, you know, finding out what are those transferable skills? Um, you know, are you somebody who really loved to be on the computer prior to your vision loss? Is that something that you can be trained on to use uh, maybe Zoom text or um, JAWS, a screen reader, right? Um, what are the things that you really love to do? Uh, I think sometimes we hear, oh, I want to go work in a grocery store. I'm like, okay, great. Why? Right? Why? I sometimes feel like a toddler when, I, when I'm talking to clients. Well, why? Why do you want to do that? 
Um, because when you can really dig in and find out, well, it's not that they want to work at a grocery store. They just, they really love customer service and they want to connect with people and be able to talk to them uh, all day, every day. Uh, and so we can start looking at what that, what that really means for them in the, in the workforce um, that maybe, maybe the grocery store is the best fit, or maybe they're going to be really great in a bookstore or um, in a museum where they get to talk about history because they actually really love history um, and the history of can making, you know, it, you, you find out these really interesting little things about your clients when you continuously ask why, um, because I think it's really important to remember there is no specific blind job, quote unquote, right? Um, it's what you're passionate about doing and where your skill set lies. I think, you know, one of my favorite things that this team says a lot is that you don't stop being blind when you go home, right? It's something that you, you're blind all day, every day, um, and you still have passions and skills. You don't lose the knowledge that you had prior to your vision loss. Um, and so I think reminding people who are maybe newer to their um, to their new eye condition that you still have a lot of value and a lot of worth and a lot of work skills that are out there. Let's use those skills that you had previously um, and see how we can connect them into the new workforce for you. So how do you guys feel um, technology has played a role in helping create more opportunities for people who are blind and visually impaired? For, for me being uh, kind of a younger generation, I think technology has just really opened the door and closed the gap. Um, I get told all the time, oh, it's easy to be blind now with all the technology. And I just laugh because, I mean, in, in some sense, they're so right. Like, I've never had to go to the library and print out MapQuest and figure out how to get there through the bus system and things. I just have, like, GPS on my phone, um, and it takes seconds to figure out an address or uh, how to get there and just being accessible. I mean, I, I just have a, a great understanding of like, I can get a hold of anybody or, you know, find anything in seconds. And I don't think that was a, a thing way back when. Um, and so, it, and it also closed the gap of, I know people that are faster on their keyboard with keystrokes and zoom texts and jaws uh, than some people are with their mouse. And I think it's, it's just funny to me when people are like, Oh, well, well, what can you do? I'm like, I, I know a guy right now that could reprogram your computer in seconds while you're clicking away uh, just with some hotkeys and learning just how accessible your keyboard is, if you know it. Um, so I, I just think it's taken a huge leap of faith. And, you know, we are just blazing the trail with technology. And I truly believe the next big step will be seeing blind people behind the wheel of a, a Tesla or a, a Cadillac or yeah. And I don't know if the world's ready for that, but man, I'm I'm so excited for the next five years to see where the advancement in technologies are going to lead us. But you already got people, you know, driving them Teslas, you know, the autonomous vehicles right now. So why can't I jump back in the car? Right. That's what I'm saying, Ray. That's what I'm saying. Man. All right. <laughs> Matt, how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like uh, you guys could probably drive a car better than most sighted people, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give a little bit of practice, you know. I I trust you. I trust you. Um, so yeah, uh, just every, everything that Aaron said. I mean, um, you know, technology accommodations uh, have have made things a lot easier for uh, people who are blind or visually impaired to uh, function here and function at work. Um, you know, we have 
a, a number of our computer users might uh, use a, a screen reader uh, such as JAWS, which reads the text uh, to the user, or a Zoom text program or a Fusion uh, program, which is more uh, magnification. Uh, but really, I mean, every I, I have more uh, clients now saying to me uh, that the built-in features on their Windows unit or their Mac um, are, I mean, they, they've come you know a long way with with those features that are that are free on your computer, built in onto your computer. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the phone, uh, the amount of, uh, you know, magnifiers, the apps that you can download. Um, my goodness, they're, I mean, they just come out with uh, so much new technology every day. It's, it's hard for us to really uh, keep up with <laughs> what the latest and greatest thing is, but um I, I don't know. I, I think uh, overall, I mean, uh, a person who's blind or visually impaired really has the tools these days to uh, do everything a sighted person yeah, does. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely, uh, you know, it's more, it's equal, excuse me, it's kind of level the playing field somewhat. And like Aaron was saying, we don't have to do typewriters and go back and write the whole paper over again and things of that nature. So that's definitely great right there. So how do you guys feel about, you know, remote, excuse me, remote working and, you know, how that's kind of helped create more opportunities for people who are blind and maybe what are some of the, you know, negatives to remote learning as well? I'm going to throw this to you, Christy, first. Sure. I think the first thing that comes to mind is it allowed us to continue to do business during COVID. I mean, that that's the, the first and foremost was, um, I think we had spoke about this before, but we had to, as a team, quickly learn how to use Zoom ourselves. Um, you know, prior to uh, the shutdown, um, we may have attended a Zoom meeting here and there. Uh, we certainly weren't hosting one. We didn't have an account. And if we did, it was our personal ones for maybe our school check-ins or something. But the world was not living on Zoom like it is now. Um, and so that was the first hurdle was we need to fully kind of understand what is this technology? What is this platform? How do we log in? How do we answer when a call is coming in? Because Zoom has a phone line and all kinds of things. Um, and so that was really the first step with remote training was we needed to train ourselves. And as a team, we would practice with each other, call each other, you know, create a link. I mean, we had to build the foundation to make the platform work and we needed to be solid in our skills because then our next hurdle was trying to train our clients um, who are also at home, who may or may not have a smartphone, who may or may not have a laptop or an iPad. You know, they, these are individuals that haven't been working, right? So their resources are, are very small um, and they might not have anybody at home with them to help them with that. So we had to figure out a way over the phone almost to teach our clients how to, how to even access Zoom, whether it was the video feature or calling in. So um, rounding that up to say a lot of trial and error <laughs> yeah. um, on all of our parts, right? Our clients, they were so patient with us because I think they said, you know, to us, it was, I'm still engaging. I'm still doing things. And we actually saw an increase in engagement with our clients compared to prior to Zoom, where we would see maybe more cancellations or clients forgetting about their appointment or transportation barriers, not getting picked up on time. So that caused them to, to miss their appointment with us. And it was us driving all over town, you know, and so that's not time efficient. Um, so in turn, the positive was after we got through the initial hurdle of 
understanding how to use it and assign it and get the word out. Um, then it was, okay, well, wow, our clients are engaging more. Like they need more good content. So we took our old format of what we used to call job club, where people would come to our center and be in training in person. And we'd talk about different topics relevant to work. We took that concept, but made it into virtual training. Um, and at the time we offered it twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays, just to keep our, our clients engaged, keep, keep them socially connected because it's very isolating. I think we hear that from this population, especially if they're home alone and they're blind. Um, we often hear it's very isolating, very depressing. They can't get out. They, you know, it, it's a lot. And so this was a, a way for them to still stay connected to others that they could relate to and feel productive and help kind of take their mind off you know, the world is under a pandemic. This was just a crazy time. And so the team really just dug in and created some great content, great content. I know at one point we did a two-part series, Natalie led that, and it was about taking like a career interest inventory. Um, and they really got into that. And I was like, okay, gosh, you know, it's hard to get them to do that in an in-person interview because normally you've got 15 things you need to check off in that one hour, but it really allowed us to do a lot more training. Uh, we talked a lot about soft skills, um, prepping for an interview, prepping to just go, like Natalie said, just getting back into the routine of going to work. If you've been a primary caregiver while you've been off work, you've got to figure out who's going to take on that role if you're planning to go back to work full time. Um, but just so much good content. These guys really just showed up and showed out with experiences or things that we have seen or heard throughout different um, times with different clients and different businesses. So that was one avenue. Um, and then kind of going to that third and final layer was we saw that those clients that engaged in those trainings actually got back to work pretty quickly once things started opening. Um, they were better prepared for a live, like a webinar interview or a Zoom interview because we saw that was a new trend. <laughs> people, yeah. people are still going to interview you, but now we're going to do it through Zoom. So we had to train our clients on how to do that. And so luckily it all built upon each other. And to this day, we continue to do that Friday now, um, virtual training for our clients. Um, I'd say client feedback on the virtual trainings was they felt like it was easier to engage and they were more likely to do it because they didn't have to battle transportation to come to the job club. Right. Cause it, with it being right in the middle of the day, it was always just, it was just hard, you know, it was just hard for them. They already had enough on their plate we wanted to remove that barrier for them to say, hey, you want to get a job. We're going to work through this no matter what it looks like. And we're going to figure it out as we go. Um, and so I would say that at a very high level, but I can certainly let the team speak because they had to then transition to meeting with their clients via Zoom or phone and no in-person <laughs> meetings for a while. Um, and so I think that's a different experience. And I'd love for one of them to maybe speak about that angle, the client engagement meeting, I guess, um, virtual. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say engagement was the biggest thing. And I think just breaking down that, that transportation barrier again, um, for these meetings allowed them to really stay focused on, okay, I, I need to practice these interview skills and let's really dig into what it is that I want to do. Um, so in some sense, it allowed us to move through what we call that discovery process a little faster. Um, and I think it, it allowed us to have more meaningful conversations um, as opposed to spending, you know, the first 15 minutes 
of our meetings talking about the frustrations of transportation or whatever it is, right? Um, <clears throat> so I do feel like they were, our clients have been more focused with that. Um, and I think there's something to be said about our team being able to be so flexible um, and for our clients to be so flexible to, to shift into um, Zoom trainings. You know, I, it, it wasn't easy. I don't think it was easy for anybody to make the adjustment, uh, but they did, our clients did really well with it. And I think going back to, right, that technology piece, that technology is a beautiful thing when it works. And it really, um, I think, did create more opportunities for our clients. I think the really cool thing is uh, with virtual interviews, right, is that companies, they get a chance to see, oh, well, gosh, yeah, this person really can use the computer. They're obviously over here talking to me using Zoom. And I think a lot of us could say, I am sighted and I have challenges with Zoom all the time, you know, kicking me off, muting, unmuting, getting lost, whatever it is, right? Technology. Um, but to watch somebody who's blind or visually impaired be able to navigate Zoom and, and to eloquently answer questions in an interview, I think that really impressed a lot of employers to say, oh, this this is possible. This is a, a real thing. Um, so I think it, it helped knock down some of those barriers um, that that are sometimes in your traditional interview setting, you don't necessarily get a chance to say, oh, that's that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're working remotely, right, and, and you just touched on this earlier, Chrissy, about just being feeling isolated when you're blind. Do you feel like, you know, working remote is sometimes a, a good option or should, you know, be more like a hybrid type of uh, option for people can, you know, get acclimated to their co-workers, to their surroundings and to show that they are very independent? I, I think that's a great question. Right? And I think it really depends on the person. And I think it depends on the organization as well. Right. Uh, because we have some clients who are like, I can't, I can't be remote. I have to be on site. I need to be able to, to be in physical close proximity to my coworkers and, and be able to build the relationship right. in person over normal office things. And that's, that's okay. That works for them. Um, and there are still those companies that you have to be on site for. Um, then I, there are other clients who are like, no, I'm good you know, we're, we're on zoom 90% of the day. Like I know my people, we're, we're okay. Um, I think it's like all things in the world. Uh, it's, it's client dependent on who's going to be successful in a full remote needs hybrid or has to be on site. Um, and I think for our team, fortunately, we've been able to, to slowly come back into the office a little bit and we can get out and see our clients, um, when we can. And, and it's beautiful to have this hybrid, but I think, you know, even when we were just virtual, we were okay with that because as our team, we were able to really still build our relationship together. Uh, you know, whether that's phone calls, Zoom meetings, or, you know, just random group text. Um, so I do think it's important for all organizations to understand your, your employee needs Right. And, and what those personalities are to be able to address those. And I, I know you guys are going to get tired of this word, but be flexible. Um, I think if if companies can learn anything over the last you know, year and a half is that flexibility is key. Uh, and it's how you keep your workforce happy is 
and understanding how you can build those relationships with your with your workers. So yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead, Sorry. I, I think too, there's just been a shift in general with businesses mm -hmm. that are coming back now. Um, a lot of companies use this time to reevaluate their structure and their method of business. They they're like, wow, you know we actually were more productive during this time with our employees being home or wow, we didn't realize they need to be, we're seeing a better turn when our employees were maybe working during the hours of which they were most self-productive as opposed to that boxed in eight to four 30, right. Or nine to five. Um, I think a lot of companies, and I, I've read a lot of articles about this here recently, because we're starting to see some research come out um, that a lot of businesses really have evaluated what what does the employee need to really do to fulfill the mission? And does it really matter where they're at to do that? You know, it, it, in terms of physical location. Um, but I echo what Natalie said, because I think we see that even as, as employees ourselves, um, let alone, of course, our clients, but it's definitely a personal situation. You know, some people are just not as focused at home, especially if they have other children or things like that. Uh, or maybe we all heard a lot of this too. Their spouse also was working from home and they're like, no, we cannot work at home together. You know, this is not work for us to be together 24 um, seven. So I think it's about, you know, number one is everyone clear on the mission of the organization, right? Is everyone, you got to get everybody on board, but this is why we're doing this. Second is what is the priorities of, of our job and what's the priorities in our case for our team? And our priority is always, we've got to serve our client. That, that, trumps everything. Um, and then it becomes, well, all right, how are we going to make that happen? And that comes into your strategy as a team. And, and we rely really heavily on each other. None of us could do this independently. Um, we work with people, which means we have to be flexible ourselves. And yet we're human too. You know, we have families and life happens to us as well. Um, but it's just, I think, being very clear on here's the parameters, here's the expectations, and then being flexible with what that looks like in terms of how to accomplish the job. So I definitely think it's, we're trending in a very different direction. I know Bosma's, you know, the same way everybody, I mean, almost all companies now are really thinking twice about what really is the best practice to get the most efficiency and effectiveness out of our employees and keep them happy because when they're happy, they're going to perform. That's for oh, yeah. sure. That's, that's true. That's true. So talk to me about some of the uh, businesses where you have actually placed, um, People who are blind and visually impaired, like you know, what 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 kind of jobs are are they getting out there in the workforce? Sure, um, I'll let the team share some of their their recent successes. Um, I'd say um, we we've placed uh, people a little bit of everywhere here. Um, I guess just myself, uh, I've had people at uh, Charles Schwab. I uh, had a research associate here at the Regan Streif Institute. Um, a speech language pathologist uh, as well. And uh, all the way down to uh, less than a high school diploma working at the Children's Museum here. So uh, that's that's kind of recent uh, for myself here. Well, all over the place, Lydia. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes to show, right? Like we were saying earlier, there, there's no blind job, <laughs> quote unquote, right? Yeah. Um, it's what is the person trained in? What's their experience? What's their history? What's their level of education? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what I wanted to pull out from that, just to show people that there, like you said, there's no job specifically made for individuals who are blind, visually impaired. 
especially with today's technology and things of that nature. So, so talk to me about just any reservations that some of the employ employers may have just by hiring someone who is blind or visually impaired. I think it's they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Great. And I chuckle because I think the word accommodations, it's so big and it's so scary. And the thing about, oh, somebody who's blind obviously can't do fill in the blank, right? Because I don't know how I, as a sighted person, would do fill in the blank. Um, and so I think breaking down those barriers, it's always fun for me, at least, to watch them just like, oh, huh, it's that easy, right? <laughs> Um, because it's typically that easy when we come in and talk about accommodations uh, for somebody who's blind or visually impaired and realizing that it's so individualized, right? Uh, Matt, Eddie, Christy, I, we could all have the same exact visual impairment and all need something very different oh, yeah. to be successful in the same job. Um, and so just really understanding that it doesn't take a lot for accommodations for somebody to be successful on the job site. A lot of times when I walk through uh, an organization with a client and we're talking about, oh, maybe a bump dot on the time clock would be helpful. Uh, okay, that's about it. See you later. Have a great day. They're like, wait, what? What? They don't No, guys, we're we're not asking you to rebuild your building or, you know, restructure all of your policies. Um, it's they're typically pretty simple. You know, I'm going to go back and say somebody who's blind or visually impaired is blind and visually impaired from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed and everything in between um, that using a magnifier, using your phone to um, like Aaron was talking about the technology to have these apps, to be able to navigate your world it is something that um, once you've learned these tools, you don't really need a lot else. Um, and That's so it is, it's absolutely second nature. And so when somebody has gotten all the skills and training they need, and, and then they're on the job site, you know, it's really, it's really just learning the job, just like anybody else needs some time to learn the actual job task and in, in the company culture. Um, and so we can put that focus there. It's, it's awesome to see. Um, the other thing that we see a lot, and I mean, a lot is that typically when we put an accommodation on a job site, we start hearing from companies that, oh my gosh, all my employees have requested to have a magnifier with a light at their workstation. They love it because, you know, somebody else needed just a little extra help and productivity has gone up and we can't believe we didn't think about this. And it's sometimes just, just these small little shifts that everybody benefits from. Um, and they're typically not expensive accommodations. Um, so please don't run out and go buy a, you know, Braille writer and JAWS for all of your computers and, you know, re-tape all of your floors. Don't, don't do all that yet, right? Get to know your employee and figure out what accommodations they really need and work with us so that we can really help you figure out you know, how, how to make your employees successful. Well, I think that's a big reservation too, is just people assume when you say blind, that that means they can't see anything or what we would call no light perception. Um, so I think there's, there's a big stereotype out there. Just somebody's blind. That means they can't see anything at all. And that's not right. the case. And so we really work with our clients on how to explain their eye condition 
um, and how to explain what they can or cannot see anymore or how they see best if they're still usable vision. Um, so that, that's something we work with on our client because we know that stereotype is out there that, and, and that's almost every new business we start talking to is they just, until we say, well, blind doesn't always mean they can't see anything. You know, you can be legally blind and still have pretty good usable vision. Um, but sometimes the reservation just starts right there with what does the word blind actually mean? Um, and so we know going into that, we have to work with our clients to self-advocate and be able to explain their condition and what they use themselves. Cause we want to empower them to be independent and talk about that because at the end of the day, we have our job. We're going back to doing what we're doing. Right, um, right. The individual needs to be empowered to speak up for themselves and advocate and explain what they need and how they do best. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast, talking about all the things you guys have been doing and help continuing to lower that 70% unemployment rate among people who are blind and visually impaired. So if they want to get in, if anyone wants to get in contact with you guys, employers, um, you know, to learn more about accommodations or someone's interested in obtaining our services, Christy, how would they go about getting in contact with you and the team? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, the, the cool thing is we have a brand new, uh, really nice, newly designed website. Yes. You go to bosma.org, B-O-S-M-A.org, and you'll see a tab for Center for Visionary Solutions. And that is us over here in the programs building. And then you'll see a link for employment services and all of our information is right there. You can also call us at 317-704-8250. All right. Once again, thank you guys for coming on the podcast and make sure you guys are subscribed to the Navigating Blindness podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms and definitely check out our newly designed website at www.bosma.org. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you, guys. <laughs>